I grew up in a small town. Uh, everybody knew everybody, and half of them were related. I went to a small school. Kindergarten through 12th grade was in the same building. Uh, there was about 50 in my graduating class. We were one of the, the largest classes. They no longer uh, go through 12th grade. I think they only go to 8th grade now, and uh, older kids are shipped out. Uh, many of the kids I graduated with, I went from kindergarten to 12th grade with for those 13 years. And many have stayed close, others not really interested, and that's okay. You know, we grow up, we move on, move out, and and all that. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. But I recently got some really sad news. A friend of mine that I had gone 13 years of school with, she's my girlfriend back in about like third or fourth grade, uh, her husband was having back surgery. Now, in the past, he had some, some heart issues and uh, and all, but seemed to be over all that. So he went in for back surgery, and uh, the surgery went well, but everything else started going downhill. He started having more problems. He was on a ventilator, and he'd get a little better, and then he'd get worse again. And uh, anyways, he, he passed away. He was 79 years old. And uh, he didn't make it. Uh, I I knew him. He was uh, like seven years older than me. And I, I just kind of knew who he was. But his brother, uh, younger brother, was uh, my age. And he had been married to this guy's wife uh, back in the late 60s. And uh, was killed in Vietnam and uh, so then uh, the older brother married the younger brother's pregnant wife. Uh, she may have had the baby before they got married. I'm really not sure. But I didn't know this guy real well. And so I didn't know where he stood with the Lord, what kind of a relationship, if any, that he had. And so I know the night before he died, I prayed that the Lord wouldn't let him die unless he had made a commitment. Uh, you know, and maybe he did 60, 70 years ago, for all I know. But if he hadn't, that he would before he passed. So I'm praying that that's what happened, that uh, someday they'll be united once again. Uh, and we're all getting older. And... You know, like I told one of my other friends, I said, you know, there's going to be more of us and our spouses passing away all the time as we continue to age. It's just the way it goes. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that we can have our eternal life with you uh, just by making a decision that that's what we want to do. And so, Lord, it's my prayer that um, everybody I know all my relatives, all my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers, whatever, that, Lord, that, that they will all have a relationship with you and that when they take their last breath, their next one will be with you in, in heaven. Uh, and so, Lord, I know I maybe need to get busy on that and make that happen for some people that haven't made that choice yet. So, Lord, maybe I need to uh, do my part and not just talk about it. So, Lord, as we look at your word, 
Father, help us to see how how you do things and the, the various ways that you do things. And so, Father, help us to open our ears, our minds, and our hearts, and let the Holy Spirit guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the one miracle by Jesus that's recorded in the gospel is healing the blind. Now, that may not have been the number one miracle that he did, may not have been the number one healing that he did, um, because it tells us more than once that Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out many demons. That's Mark one thirty four. So I want to look at the various ways that Jesus healed the blind. Okay, uh, in Matthew 9, beginning in verse 27, it says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done. And their sight was restored just by the touch of the master's hand. Okay? He didn't, it doesn't tell us that he, he prayed for him. It doesn't tell us that he you know, called on the Lord to heal him. It just says that he touched their eyes and they could see. Well, two things were necessary for this to happen. First of all, they knew who Jesus was, okay, because they called out, Son of David, and that's who Jesus is. And the second thing that had to happen was that they had to have the faith that Jesus could and would heal them. Okay, now in finishing verse 30, it says, Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But then verse 31, it says, But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. Okay, probably the same thing I would do. Okay, if I was blind and instantly had my sight restored, you know, that's going to be kind of hard to not tell people about. I mean, they're going to notice it anyways, obviously. And when they ask me, I'm not going to say, Oh, you know, I can't tell you, you know, maybe... Sometime I'll tell you about it, but not today. I'd say, Jesus touched me and he healed me just like that. Me and my buddy. Well, the next one I want to look at is in Mark chapter 10, begins in verse 46. It says, They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, begging. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Hey, cheer up, you know, on your feet, he's calling for you. So throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, 
said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Well, according to Mark, Jesus never even touched the guy. Okay, he just said, hey, your faith has healed you. So Jesus, in the first time, just touched the man. This time, he just spoke a healing over the man. He said, because you have such great faith, your sight's restored. Only after he asked him a question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, that seems like a pretty silly question, but not so. Now, we don't know if this man was born blind or if he was blind from an accident or got something poured into his eyes, got something in his eyes or whatever. And begging may have been his only source of income. So if his sight is restored, he may have to find a job. He may have to learn a trade. Now, again, we don't know how long he'd been blind. You know, maybe he'd only been blind a few years and maybe he'd worked, you know, as a carpenter or as a whatever. And, you know, now he'd be able to go back to whatever his trade was. But maybe, maybe he'd never learned a trade. Maybe he'd been born blind. And so now he's going to have to do something different. You know, how would he be supported? You know, I mean, how would he take care of a family if he had one now? So when Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? You know, he knew that maybe this man wanted his sight restored or maybe he wanted something else. But Jesus knew what he wanted. But he needed to hear it from the man. Kind of like you and me. That's why we pray. Okay, God knows what it is that we want before we even come to him in prayer. But he wants us to come to him and ask. He wants us to come and say, this is what I need, Lord, for me, for my friends, for the world, wherever it might be. Now, the next one I really have always found interesting, and it's in Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and laid his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they just kind of look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, it sounds to me like this man had had his sight at one time, okay, because he knew what trees looked like. He knew what people looked like, okay? Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to say, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. So, you know, maybe through an accident or whatever, this man had, had lost his sight. Well, then in verse 25, it says, his sight was restored. Okay, And what's interesting about this, in verse 23, it says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Okay, 
He didn't want to heal him where all the people were. Okay, he wanted to go out and take him out. It doesn't say he told everybody, you know, you stay here, you know, I'm going to take this guy and go out here and heal him. You know, he just says that he led him by the hand outside the village. Okay, that was verse 23. Well, then in verse 26, it tells us this. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Why? Well, just like in the first case in Matthew 9, when Jesus said he didn't want it spread yet about the miracles. Now we know at some time that's going to change. But now the big question from this one is, did Jesus fail the first time? Okay, it says that he spit in the man's eyes and put his hands on him and the man didn't see clearly. So did Jesus fail? You know, was he not powerful enough or did he not do the right thing or say the right thing? And, you know, what, what was the problem? I mean, the other times, you know, he didn't even touch the guy and he was healed. And another time he didn't spit in the man's eye. It just touched his eyes and he was healed. And this time he did more and the results weren't as good as they were the first time, the first two times. I firmly believe that Jesus came to set an example for us in life. Okay? I mean, he came to give us salvation, but he came to set an example. Okay? Because he lived 33 years, give or take a few, on this earth, and he never sinned. Not once ever did he sin. Okay? And so he's setting an example for us in this. Okay? Because what it tells me is it's okay to say, this didn't work this time, but I'm going to try again. Okay? And I'm going to try again, and I'm going to try again. And I don't know about you, but I've had those times when I've thought, I remember changing a fuel pump on a car we had, and the fuel pump was like right there. And I thought, well, this is going to take me about 10, 15 minutes. Um, an hour and a half later, I finally got the new one on. Okay. I could have said after the first five times or whatever, I say, this is crazy. I'm going to take it someplace and let them do it. Okay. But Jesus said, no, let me, let me touch your eyes again so you can see. Thomas Edison said, I've not failed 10,000 times. I have successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. Okay, Jesus didn't have to touch a guy 10,000 times, but he had to touch him twice, giving me that example that I'm not always going to succeed at anything the first time. Well, here's another of Jesus' healings of a blind man. And I think this one's my favorite. Okay, this is in John 9 starts in verse 1. It says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? <laughs> Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. 
But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with a saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. <laughs> another miracle and another way of causing that miracle to happen. Okay, this is a, the fourth different way that Jesus healed the blind. So let's kind of break this passage down. In verse 2, the disciples assumed that the blindness was a result of somebody's sin. Okay, and this, this was a common thing among the Jews, and it's still common among people now, some that I know, that, you know, if they do something wrong, you know, they know they're going to have to pay for it. You know, God's going to do something to me because I did this or I said that. Okay, and so that's that was the thinking of the Jews at that time and because that's what was taught by the Pharisees. If something bad happens, it's a result of somebody's sins. Somebody's guilty. Somebody's got to pay for this. Somebody's guilty. Now, it may sound strange for the disciples to think that the man's blindness was from birth. Now, it could have been his fault, but that was what was being taught, that you could still sin while you were in the womb. Okay, and so they thought this man, you know, had been born blind. Or crazier still, the sin could have happened in a pre-existing state, some people thought. You know, that sounds to me like reincarnation. Don't want to go there. Well, in verse 3, Jesus sets the record straight. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, Jesus was not saying that this man or his parents were perfect and had never sinned. What he's saying is the blindness was not the result of a sin or sins. Okay. So he's just trying to set the, the disciples straight and say, you know, that's not the problem. And he told them what? It was, because going on in verse 3, Jesus further explained the reason for the blindness. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Why the spit, mud, washing, whatever, at the pool of Siloam? Why so complicated this time? Okay, he had, he had to go and wash. Were there Others that were blind for the same reason? You know, I can't explain the spit in the mud, okay, except that it was necessary for the last step, and that was the washing in the pool of Siloam. Now, you need to know, Jesus didn't say, go and wash this off. Jesus said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Okay, he was told where to go. He was told what to do. Okay, and he couldn't see until after following Jesus' instructions. Okay, the guy could have said, that's crazy. I'm just going to go over here 
to this trough and just get some water and wash his stuff off my eyes. No, he had to follow Jesus' instructions. And it says, after he did, he could see. You know, we, we find other times when specific instructions were given, and sometimes people didn't really want to follow them. Okay, in Second Kings 5, Naaman was a powerful man. He was a soldier, but he was a leper, and he wanted to be healed. Duh. Okay, so Elisha sent a messenger telling him, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. Well, what happened? Naaman gets mad. He says, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not... Abana and Farpah, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? No, you could have washed in them, but you wouldn't have been healed. Luckily for Naaman, his servant had more sense than he did because he convinced him to do what he was told. And when he did what he was told, he was healed. He had to follow the instructions. He was hoping for some hocus-pocus of some kind. But what he was given was instructions specifically of what he needed to do. The man born blind had to follow Jesus' instructions, or he still would have been blind. Now, there may very well have been many other times that Jesus healed blindness. Because more than once we or even speaking healing over people that, that weren't even present. <clears throat> excuse me. In Luke, or excuse me, in Matthew 8, a centurion came to Jesus about his sick and dying servant. And in verses 7 and 8, it says, Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Then in verse 13, it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. Okay, we don't know how far away the servant was. Could have been just down the street. Could have been many miles. Okay, so that's why we can pray for sick friends that are not right there with us. That's why we can pray for relatives that are miles away. That's why we can pray for missionaries that are on the other side of the world. Because Jesus speaks healing. Now, I have a question for us. Are we blind as well? There's a song that I think most all believers and quite a few non-believers are familiar with. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now it's found. Was blind, but now I see. It was written in 1772 by John Newton, former slave trader. And he took the words from that, or took the words to that from 2 Corinthians 4 4. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light 
of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, until we know Jesus Christ, we're kind of blinded. Okay, John Newton wasn't physically blind. But like Paul said, the God of this age, Satan, had blinded his mind. Okay, Newton's mind was blind to what he was doing. Okay, until the Lord put a stop to it. Okay, you don't have to be an unbeliever to have a blind mind. Okay, I've seen many that have made a commitment to Jesus. And, you know, you may go to church on a regular basis. You may be in a Bible study, listen to Christian music all the time, and, you know, you're careful what you watch and all that. But you can still be blind to the things of our lives that need to be removed. Drug and alcohol abuse. The way we take care of our money, adultery. Divorce rate in, in uh, the church is the same as it is outside the church. Pornography. Abuse, whether it's sexual, physical, verbal, lying, cheating, you know, whatever it is. You know, sometimes we're blind to those things. Many Christians think, oh, a little bird, a little bit's not going to hurt anyone. And nobody knows but me. Wrong on both accounts. First, we have to admit our blindness. Then we have to ask to be healed just like the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Okay, when I go to Jesus with the sin that I have in my life, you know, he's telling me, what do you want me to do? You know, what's, what's the plan here? So we found five ways that Jesus restores blindness. By the touch, by just speaking a healing, having to do a second try, and then it will work or the spit and mud and washing thing at the pool of Siloam. And the fifth way Jesus heals blindness is when he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Michael W. Smith has a song that's been around quite a while now. But here's what the chorus says. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. We sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. The words of that song are so true. I, we, need our eyes opened, the eyes of our hearts. We can't fully see Jesus until that happens. There's one more way to cure, excuse me, there's more than one way to cure physical blindness, but only one correct way to take care of spiritual blindness. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you are the way. You are the way to the healing in our lives. You are the way to us changing our lives. And Lord, we just give you thanks for that because we can try and do it on our own, but we'll never succeed. We need you in our lives. And I know that my brothers and sisters that have made a commitment to you, they know that. Okay, but sometimes we get some blindness in our lives. 
blindness to different things that need to be addressed, things that need to be taken care of, things that need to be removed from our lives. And spiritual blindness doesn't allow us to do that. So Lord, help us to, to get the healing that we need that comes only from Jesus Christ. And Father, if there's someone that may be listening to this that doesn't know you, you know, they maybe heard about you, maybe they've heard about this born-again stuff, but they don't know what that really means. Okay, Lord, let them know today that they need to have your Son in their lives, that they need to realize that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that they can come to you and ask for forgiveness. And nobody, nobody has sinned too much that you're going to turn them away. You're never going to say, well, clean your act up and then come back to me. He's going to say, no, come to me and I'll help you clean up your act. That's what we need in our lives. That's what I needed in my life. So if you're that person that's listening and needs to know how it is to get Jesus into your life and make those changes that you need to make, this is how you do it. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Please forgive all my sin. Make me new. Make me have the love that you have. Help me to be the person that you need me to be. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.